Good afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Cooper and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. Before we get into today's episode with the fabulous Sal Turner from Whiplash Promotions, it's important to talk about a new initiative that started today uh, on the Music Venues Trust. It was the Save Our Venues hashtag and accompanying sort of uh, websites and bits and pieces with that. And the this is a fabulous thing. It's a fabulous thing. I wholeheartedly support. Essentially, by using the hashtag and the graphics on your social media, you can raise awareness of this fantastic initiative. Essentially, right now, there's about 556 individual venues that are at the risk of actually closing. And like I've talked about this before, these places will close and never reopen, never reopen. So we will lose them forever in time. And that can be prevented. It can be prevented by you. It's as simple as this. You go onto uh, Music Venues Trust or whatever social media you follow them on on the Save, the Ve- Save Our Venues uh, thing. They've got a map of the, the whole country. And within that, you can you can go to scroll or look and zoom into your particular city, find out the venues that are the most at risk of closing and donate to them. There's some fantastic venues just locally for myself. You've got uh, Alexandra's Alive uh, in, in Chester alongside the Chester Live Rooms, which is a, is a fantastic venue, absolutely superb. Seen some great shows on there. Reminded of seeing Populate itself a while back was, was, was superb there. Non-points of Fozzy. There's some great acts I've seen there. That's a fantastic venue. I've watched that venue move and, and into becoming this huge, great thing. They've upgraded everything. They're on the touring run now of great artists, and they are in danger. They are in danger if you don't support them. You've got uh, the Caledonian Liverpool and Heebie-Jeebies, and who hasn't been to Heebie-Jeebies and... Uh, I, I love that venue and the Jacaranda and Phase One. I've seen so many good shows. I talked about them on previous podcasts at the Jacaranda and the Phase One. Those shows that we went to with me and Massey for Midnight Mass, and we went to those shows and we we just saw how great and how fertile the the the, the music scene is. These people need fucking platforms. They need somewhere to play and support them. And you can do something about this. There's no time to be a slacktivist. There's no time to sit on the bench and go, well, you know, I'll see how this plays out. I'll share this, but I won't actually do anything. You can do something. You can donate, uh, use the hashtag Save Our Venues, follow this initiative and support it. It's incredibly important. I cannot stress how important this is. And this will mean that when this all this lockdown bullshit is over, we can go back into venues and see live music. There cannot be, you cannot generate this any other way than at a live venue. You can't fucking VR it. You can't watch it on your phone. You can't watch it on your laptop. You have to go and fucking see it. You have to go to a venue and and actually witness it. And that's the best way to experience music. It just simply is. With that said, more uh, things to look forward to, more good positive stuff. We're on Wednesday, I will be on getting to this is live stream that's wednesday the 29th on 8 p.m i'll be going on there and talking probably talking a load of nonsense as i as do anyway i'm sure this safety uh, are an issues our venues issue will come up as well and, and save our venues as a hashtag will come up and we'll talk about that but also we'll talk about anything i've been watching a lot of these live streams and they're great fun they're really interesting really fun and the people on it know what they're talking about that ends on wednesday the 29th at 8 p.m when i go on it and obviously, no one knows less about music than me, but I'll hope to hold my own and wave the flag of metal high. Um, also, something else to look forward to on Thursday is the next episode where I'm going to be sitting down with Daniel Moran from Reaper, as you may or may not know, about musicians surviving the outbreak. 
what can we do constructively to kind of help ourselves mentally with things how can we work out practice regimes and stuff like that what should we be doing about our brand and inverted commas as it always is what should we doing social media suggestions questions that maybe people have thought they were too like me were too silly to ask about things like twitch and twitter and facebook and soundcloud and all these other things how can we actually sort of use these things and how can we use these social medias to our benefit and helps that and that helps us survive in the outbreak so to speak uh, survive in the lockdown if you will and that's with daniel moran who, who talks more than i do and probably works even harder than i do as well uh, so it, i think that's going to be a really interesting one and um, looking forward to, to to everything daniel has to say fantastic episode and that's on thursday so you've got something kind of coming up to kind of keep your mind occupied and as always Feel free to comment yourself. What what else can we do? Uh, on the last episode, we talked uh, with Connor about another way we can do once these places open, these venues stay open because we're following it and we're supporting them. Once these places stay open, what can we do to help musicians? And it's all positive and it's all fucking doable. It's all real stuff. A lot of times you're like, well, it doesn't affect me. It's in another country. Well, it doesn't affect me, blah, 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 blah. This affects you and it's something you can do about it. So that's uh, that's the the Save Our Venues hashtag and initiative with Music Venues Trust on Wednesday. The stream at with Get Into This on the 29th, uh, that is, at 8 p.m. And Thursday, the next episode as well. So hopefully there's some things there to look forward to. But without further ado, let's get on to the main event, which is Sal Turner. Ever since I started the podcast, Sal has been on the list of people I really, really, really want to sit down with. Obviously, in the podcast, we'll talk more about her. But... Essentially, when I was going to shows, I would always see Sal's shows come up and I, they were always great and always a good showing of extreme metal and metal that you wouldn't really see anywhere else. And I always gravitated to her shows. I thought they were fantastic. So for a long time, I've wanted to get her on the show. And now we finally do. Ladies and gentlemen, Sal Turner. So I'm with, finally, I keep saying finally, because there's loads of people that are wanting to get on the show and easily easily top of the list um oh certainly top five people i want to get on is is sal um so welcome sal turner on the show. outstanding mate outstanding it's nice to finally have you on the show we've talked about it a while it's been a while yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I, i'll have done an intro as, as i say before uh, but sal is kind of what's uh, to most people will know from uh whiplash promotions and being a promoter on the metal scene and i would argue as well one of the most critical certainly in the northwest of a promoter on the scene you know really kind of like uh pushing sort of extreme metal and metal that you wouldn't normally see and getting artists in from all over the world and all over europe into liverpool to play that maybe wouldn't have normally been there and um, so you know and we're going to get into that we'll get into that but i suppose like the best place we always start with these things salas to talk about when you first heard metal and when it first comes into your life is just music when's that happen um oh i think i was about 13 mm. uh, and i got in via i got into metal via motley Crue, skid row poison slaughter yeah. little angels all all typical glam rock bands yeah uh, and then listen to raw power you watch raw power and things yeah. on a friday night late at night um very quickly progressed from that straight to sepultura straight to uh cannibal corpse um and it just went from there really 
I like. I still like listening to glam rock. I'm not going to lie to you. It's your love... best love. It's not wrong with that. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> still love Bon Jovi to bits, but you know, I love Mammoth Die and loads of other pretty heavy bands as well. So, do you, do you, do you remember when you like first started? like that particular artist that you got into that became like your artist, like the, the guy or the girl or the band or whatever it is, was like, I'm all about that band and you just bought everything that they had. The first, well, I think the first band I ever did that with was After Forever. Okay. Which is um, Flo Janssen's first band. Yeah, yeah. Flo, Flo Janssen's the singer from Nightwish. Yeah, yeah. 20-odd years ago. See, this is what's going to be. This is what's going to be great about talking to Sal, ladies and gentlemen. Is Sal's got the, the deep cuts. He's got the knowledge. You know, and it's like if you if you were having like you know a, a, a pub quiz solely based on metal, you want Sal on your side. Like that's what you want. The knowledge beyond belief of extreme metal. Like fantastic. <laughs> and, and another band that I was really, really, really into from 15, 16 and really used to used to sit on the bus and read the lyrics on the tape that I had. <laughs> back in those days we had tapes, walkmans, um and um was Deicide. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh Glenn Benton and stuff, yeah. Me little mate Glenn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So do you do you remember going to your first shows then after you listening to the records and you absorbing it that? Do you remember when you first kind of seen that in a live context? What happened then? Um, I, I was uh, the, my first gig I ever went to was the first three gigs I ever went to were all in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was Dan Reed Network. Okay. By the Electric Boys. Both are still on the circuit, and I managed to see them a couple of years ago at Hammerfest, and they were fabulous. <laughs> read. Um, my second gig was um, Thunder. Okay. And I can't remember who supported. And my third gig, right, and I'm not lying to you, I'm probably one of the, the, the biggest influences on how I wanted to be as a promoter was my third show, which was in okay. the... Royal Court basement, and it was Cannibal Corpse on the Tuman. Fantastic! <laughs> we, lo- I God, I miss gigs at the Royal Court. Like I really do. Who was the support for Cannibal Corpse? Do you remember? It was Anathema. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting. That's an interesting mix. That is it. Anathema, and obviously there's the, the Liverpool connection stuff. They, yeah. Yeah. They, wow. So. It's funny. It's funny how many people talk about Cannibal Corpse being the one of the bands that brought them into the kind of the, the heavier and the darker and the more aggressive and sort of the more visceral lyrically brought mm-hmm. them into that. Like I don't think they get enough recognition, do they? The Corpse. People write them off quite quickly, don't they? Because of the imagery and stuff, they, they forget that there's an enormous amount of musicality to them as well. Like you know, it's an amazing album. It really, really is. Yeah. I was writing- front and i ended up having my hand stood on three times by uh oh what's his name the singer were you at the front on the bar like yeah at the event no but the front of the stage oh shit yeah okay yeah because it was a glowish stage and he stood yeah. um, stood on my hand i've forgotten his name chris barnes there you yeah, go Barnes. yeah because yeah. chris was still with them back in those days so yeah, yeah. but yeah you, and then what, before what was, he, what was the cap for the uh, the basement of the Royal Court, then what was the capacity there? I don't know. It, it wasn't many. Two hundred maximum. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't many, was it? It wasn't many at all. Wow, that would have been that would have been fucking biblical. That like. 
was 15 and it was amazing. <laughs> too many hairy blokes in my life. Yeah, it, yeah. That sounds like that sounds like that was one of those times though that it kind of set a bit of a spark off for you. You were like, you know what? Maybe I can do something here. No, it wasn't. That honestly, really, really wasn't. But when I started doing shows, yeah, I wanted to have somebody, one person. Ah, I. You mean from a from an artist you would like to work with? Point of view, you saw them and were like, I'd like to do their show. No, no, I would like somebody to have come to one of my shows and gone away thinking, yeah, ah, that thing yeah, I had the same feeling, like the same rush from that. Yeah, I get it, I get it. So, do you? I mean, you're 15 at this point. Did you even <laughs> think that what a promoter was? No, no. So, when? How long did it take for you to go? Okay, I could maybe do this myself. Um. You've never heard the story of how Whiplash started, have you? I have not. Uh, yeah, and I, and I don't think a lot of people will know, so it's perfect time to bring it up, like, perfect time. It was an accident. Mm. Um, I, it was, it was, it was, well, it was an accident. I was in stairways of all places. Oh, God bless you. It, back in the day when I had a, an affinity for Aftershock. Okay. And you, Aftershock by the half pints because <laughs> it was a pound of shot and I couldn't be bothered going back to the bar. And I, <laughs> yes. So I was quite drunk and the DJ put Pantera on and I was like okay. well in middle of the floor, fucking our style. And then he put the prodigy on straight after and just okay. empty floor. Yeah. So I'm stuck at the bar going, that's that DJ's terrible. Fancy putting up that on straight after. <laughs> Everyone got on the floor for a good old headbang, and then he put that on, and oh. and the the manager of uh, Stairways was stood next to me, and he said, "Do you think you could do any better?" I said, "With me eyes shut." Shit. <laughs> and that's how Whiplash started. So it you started. were with DJ and first then. Is that, yeah. So he was like, he was like, okay, you you can do better. So what did he say? He was like, okay, you can come in on a Thursday night or a whatever night, or do a couple of hours on a Friday. What did he say? Um, he gave me second Saturday of every month. Fucking hell. For an extreme metal night. Okay. Um, and within about half an hour, I thought of the name Whiplash. Yeah. Um, because, and uh, my my reasoning was, uh, Whiplash is what you'll go home with, and it's also the name of yeah. your Metallica song. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll play. Um yeah. And I had something like three weeks to get as much interest as I possibly could um, and get people in. Um, and I had to learn how to do DJing. To, <laughs> I've never done anything this is like with, that. This is with, am I right in thinking this is with actual records as well? It wasn't, no. Um, it was it with the move it, to the digital? It had, not quite. Okay. Not quite. Look in 2001, hey, yeah, 2001. Okay. You're looking at 19 years ago. Um, they had two um, CD players that you interchanged. Right, right, right. I broke the mould and brought my computer, but I actually brought my monitor, my desktop, a <laughs> <laughs> whole lot. And I had WinZip, uh, not uh, Winamp with autofade on. Add <laughs> me playlist. You just wanted to get it done, didn't you? You just were like, I'm going to get this done. Whatever the fuck, you've had to take this all in, in, in my whole sort of PC setup. That's a monitor, ladies and gentlemen. Not a flat screen, a monitor. That is like a, a fucking television. 
and you just like so did you did he give you like a time frame did he say like the night's like six hours long or whatever hours long did he give you any kind of frame at uh, nine till two okay so it's just nine till two and did he was he just like carte blanche was he just like you can do whatever you want yeah shit did, was there a, did, was it a party yourself just while we're talking it's only me and you now was it a party you had to shit yourself thinking to fill that up with that amount of time with with music all the time every time sure. um, <laughs> i i wasn't financially invested in in as much as um if they paid the club to come in and yeah. if enough people came in i got paid yeah um so it was it 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 was more of a it i wasn't losing anything by doing it yeah yeah there was very little risk to yourself yeah 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 which changed as we went along. I'm thinking around that time, that's kind of a really interesting time because you talk about like a prodigy clearing the dance floor because it was a very weird time where there was a time, ladies and gentlemen, when prodigy were not accepted in any way, shape or form by the metal community. Anything with a dance beat of any kind was was shunned, was was, was massively shunned. It took a good sort of couple of years for it to be an accepted thing that that would be thrown into the mix and then eventually the likes of new metal and stuff came along and and, and made that more and more kind of available so what, what did you say to yourself you wanted to do when you wanted to put what was your remit to, like did you want to put on the best extreme metal just the best metal the things that you like to listen to what did you want to put on i wanted to put on the stuff that doesn't get played in clubs right and that, so it was extreme stuff um it was things like after forever and night wish and within temptation because that's yeah. never played in clubs mm. it, and it was it was just the different genres of music that isn't played in clubs it wasn't being represented yeah yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you remember the first song you put on i don't you know i really really <laughs> actually i used to always start me nights okay with a um I always used to start my nights the same and finish my nights the same. Okay. Um, so I always used to start my nights with a very um, with a with a piece of music, Ad Astra or um, okay. something, just just a instrumental piece. Yeah, almost ambient to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah, and then just yeah. going to something bloody heavy. Yeah. <laughs> And it was generally only me there by that point because they were still getting people in from the doors. Um, yeah. But I always used to start with something ambient like that and then go into mm. something heavy. Yeah. And every night, every every whiplash I've ever done, every one I've ever done, I've always finished with Beyond Me by After Forever. Okay. And, and some people will agree, Beardy, Neil, they'll all agree that's the oh shit we've got to go home to the song that's the go home link like yeah so when you yeah. when you were kind of like how did you promote that because you say that the guy says like okay well you've got to promote it you've got to get people in the door 2000 2001 what what did you do to promote it then how did you do that it was a lot of word of mouth i got some posters made yes um, and i had a a a, a little website made um and I, I can't even it was something like go to slash whiplash or something okay. like that but it was go number two. Oh yeah okay or slash whiplash it, it was like yes. a, a heli west thing or something it was, it was horrendous <laughs> it really really was bad um <clears throat> and i had like a little website built and um i used to advertise 
in, in those early early days i used to put posters all up on the walls i used to put um we used to go go and put little flyers in the swan and we used to um go to um there used to be a really good pub little rock pub a couple of doors down from this from um i think it's called the georgian dragon now or it used to be but mm. it used to have uh metal metal heads in there and we used to go to the commodore which was a bike pub and yeah, used yeah, yeah. To, and put everything in swinging arm wasn't there then um yeah. Because this is back in the day um, where, when you would go to a pub first before a club opened. Um, and normally you could maybe be the fireman's was quite close to, to stairways, a pub quite close to it. Or you would go like the swan before you went to the crazy house or, you know, whatever yeah. you used to call it then. And you would you would have a drink there and the music would be kind of low. And then you would go to the gig and then that's when it would, would go off and you, you would go crazy. So did you kind of, you, you sound like you were doing this all on your own. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is the this is the thing that, that I'm always like whenever whenever I speak to Sal, Sal and, and the times we we, we kind of met, Sal always impresses me by she is one of those people that is just getting it fucking done out there. She just if, go and do it. If if no one else is doing it, fuck yeah, she'll just do it on her own. A really positive message to the people out there that are like trying to promote their shows and promote bands. Sal was getting it done before getting it done. out was even called that. And uh, you know what I mean. So when when did you think? Did you did you feel you were getting it right with the nights? Were you getting people in, and what was the reaction? They were quite busy. Uh, the, the nights were quite busy. I'd get the odd person request and disturbed, which got a, a complete fuck you. That was, was that was disturbed the veto shit. Any any night in 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 stairways, you could yeah. hear disturbed at any it point. Didn't fit. Were... It didn't fit into what you were trying to do. You weren't. You were presenting music that didn't normally have a forum somewhere else. Disturbed did. It was on the radio. So sorry, yeah. you know, it's not going to make it in. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it it, it was it was one of those uh, disturbed were, were something that people went to stairways and thought they were going to hear. So when right. they came to my night and they didn't, they were, oh, right, okay, well, what about this then? Have you got this? And and kind of stepped outside the box. And I got a lot of requests for Metallica and Slayer because they didn't know what else to ask for. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that, like, some people were hearing stuff then that they hadn't heard before, that they would go away and seek those bands out? Like, someone hadn't heard Nightwish before and went, what's that? And then, okay, well, actually, I might go and listen to that now. Did you think you maybe introduced some people to, mu- to new music then by that extent? Possibly. Um, and I know that I got a load of people into After Forever. Yeah. Um, I contacted, um, I don't know whether you remember Total Rock Radio. I remember Total Rock Radio, yeah. It still yeah. exists to a certain degree, doesn't it? And so it's called something else or something now. Like, yeah. It's all online now, isn't it? But yeah, so Total yeah. Rock Radio. I used to listen a lot to Sex and I'm with Maria on a Friday night. Okay. Loved it. Wouldn't miss an episode. And used to email her all the time and uh, you used to say, you need to listen to After Forever. You need to listen to After Forever. And I ended up sending her copies of the After Forever stuff for her to play. Yeah. Um, and she played them and people went mad for them and it was like, there you go. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I used to go down and help her host the show. I wasn't very much help. Um, and the, we used to talk about Whiplash and yeah. um, um, oh, 
Malcolm Dome used to do uh, used to record Whiplash adverts and things. Get to Whiplash and wow, did he? Because Malcolm Do- Malcolm Do- he's on the li- he's if there's another person on that list that I say about that you're on, Malcolm Dome's on that list. He is fucking metal and rock music. He he jumps this. He's on every documentary. They talk about the new wave of British heavy metal. Malcolm Do- Dome's always on that. Like yeah, so fucking hell, that's nice company to have that like <laughs> yeah i remember you used to go i used to go out drinking him, with him and crusher after this after we'd recorded or yeah. was down in london we'd, we'd all end up in the pub um malcolm dome doesn't like to be hugged and i'm a hugger um you <laughs> should like you should be like oh get away <laughs> but yeah it was good and the, you'd listen to total rock and um my adverts would be on and it, it was just really really good they just they didn't charge me it was just it was just nice of them to do it, it for was me so, well, they were so desperate to keep the scene alive did you know the, 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 the whole music scene was like you know it was it was uh, it's certainly nearly 2000s it was which way was it going to go and kind of no one knew what was coming up we were, we're kind of in the throes of napster and all that type of stuff there was all this mad sort of stuff going on around then like it was in a real weird place like you know so when when you're doing that you're doing this you're djing and you start to get people who kind of come to the night and stuff like that did they ever did stairways ever go to you okay this is working did they ever kind of give you the nod and say yeah you do what you're doing is good or was there any kind of recognition um no but they never told me to piss off either (laughs) (laughs) that'll do that'll do that works yeah so at which point did you kind of go okay let's let's think about uh, we're, we're, I'm playing music. What about if an actual band comes in? When's that? Oh, when's that oh. shit happen? I still have a few nightmares about my first attempt to put the gig on. <laughs> what was the first gig then? And what, well, let's let's just step back a sec. What 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 made you go from okay? I'm I'm spinning music now. I want to actually book a band on. What was what was the catalyst for that? Um, I had um a couple of bands who used to come to the show i was friends yeah. with people from bands who used yeah. to come and there's a fabulous stage or there used to be a fabulous stage in stairways um um it, it was one of them i was asked should, should i shouldn't why don't you put bands on put bands on you get more people in it'll get even better it'll be even busier yeah. you get more people in it'll be even so i approached um i can't even remember his name you know the the manager <laughs> so <laughs> I'm old now. I'm very old now. <laughs> I approached the singer, uh, the the manager of yeah. Stairways, and said, "Can I put bands on?" And he went, yeah. Um, "Yeah." Um, and I didn't even know. I didn't even know what I needed to make sure they had. So, um, I said, uh, "Have you got a full PA system?" Oh yeah, and in the corner where the DJ is, there was the the mixing machine with the, the, the all the slidey buttons and all the lights yeah. and stuff. But it was never working, so it was like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? Yeah, I got a full PA. They'll have to bring all the amps and and the, everything they need. And my first gig, I think, was do you, I don't know whether you remember Malefice. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Wow, okay a long long time ago and and um a very young diamantian <laughs> yes was base oh okay was it just the two bands or was it more oh, okay. it was two, 
We didn't know. I didn't know you could have booked it out, like you know. But, but for those that don't know, and to give kind of like an overview, of stairways. Stairways um, was called stairways because um, it's all on one level, but that level is up um, uh, two flights of stairs, and you go up the stairs, and as you uh, come out, uh, there's a room that maybe holds what I don't know, hundred people, hundred, hundred, hundred people at, at best. And if you as you're looking, as you come through the door to the right, you have a bar. To the left, you have the little DJ's booth, tiny. And then straight ahead, yeah, for the most of the large portion of the back wall is the stage. It was massive, the stage and stairways. People forget that. Just yeah. to, the, to the left of where you're looking, you have the way to the toilet. And the other one is the way to the green room, if you will. Um, and it's the, it's the, it was the first room. My band played there. It was the first green room that I ever went into. And it was a shithole. And it was, but it was our shithole. Like, stairways was this raw space uh, that was had graffiti on of like Judge Dredd and stuff and all kinds of stuff. But it was this raw space where they kind of let anything happen. I played there with my band um, after they'd had a phone party. So the phone party, yeah. Then oh, yeah. yeah, my band comes on. We play our set. And in the middle of one of the sets, there's this really heavy breakdown, middle eight. And, uh, and there's people sliding around in the soap. It was fucking surreal. I love that place. I met my wife there. I probably... As the drunkest I've ever been is when they had nights where it was free booze. You paid in and it was a free bar. You remember them? It was this yeah. glorious space. So do you remember the first kind of like the semantics of you setting up the first show, the loading in and stuff and, and what they required? That must have been a big learning curve, that first show. I'm starting to hyperventilate my house. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been a big learning curve. <laughs> Did you was it? Did you think it was a success once the dust had settled? Did you get a lot of people in? What was it like? Um, there was a lot of people in. Bands, the bands arrived and sound checked, yeah. or they would if we'd have had a working PA. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have a working PA, but no cables, not a single cable in the bloody place. Right. Uh, fortunately for me and the bands and the venue. Um, Danny Cab was there, Danny Cabana, yeah. from Anathema. He'd come with Dimanthians, who were carry the bags, I suppose. Yeah. Slum it for a couple of hours. Amazing. Um, they ended up racing back to Crash Studios and getting every cable. They didn't have a microphone or anything. <laughs> so, so That's basically- the deep end, Sal, isn't it? That's the deep end there, isn't it? Although we've <laughs> all been there. We've all been there. So... When you when you kind of had your first show and the dust had settled and you thought, did you ever think I could I sh- I should do this I can do this now or were you still kind of going let's book another one see what happens did you kind of get how did you feel about it? Um, after the dust had settled a little bit, um, and the show was it was it was twice as packed as normal and it was yeah. fabulous. Yeah. Um. However, um. I realised that wasn't the venue. That wasn't the venue to sure. put bands on. Yeah. Um, and my boyfriend at the time was suggesting you need to come over to Liverpool. Mm. You need to do it in Liverpool because people were loath to travel. Um, yeah. Although there was a taxi rank opposite, people mm. were getting clobbered when they were going. Birkenhead wasn't a nice place to be if you looked any different to... The yeah, that were- it was it was a it's a but like essentially if I can paint a picture for someone like we have listeners from all over like so our American listeners will have no concept of this type of thing but um 
the stairways nightclub is literally in the middle of, of the center of Birkenhead sort of nightlife or then it, it's nightlife. It's not really there now. And it was this little oasis and almost to get to it, you had to run something of a gauntlet. You, of, you risked like getting, getting, you know, especially if you wore, you know, a, 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 a particular top or you had like jeans or well, long hair or anything like that, or, or, you know, corpse paint on or something like that. You would, you would you would be in very 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 serious danger of getting knocked knocked out by you getting 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 hurt. There was people you know drunk coming out of clubs right next to you that would give you a hard time, and it kind of meant that sometimes you would have to get to the club really early and sometimes leave early as well. Like you didn't want to be chucking out with everybody else, and because it was situated uh, on the other side of the water from Liverpool, a lot of people left early to get the train. The train's maybe ten minute walk from a twenty minute walk from stairways. So it really affected how long people stayed there. Whereas if you were in Liverpool, um, there was a bit more of a welcoming atmosphere in someone like the K or whatever it may be. There was a bit more of a welcome atmosphere. So was that you kind of where was the where were the locations you were looking at in Liverpool then? First of all, first of all, I only looked at one. Okay. Um, um, and the place is unrecognisable now to where I had it. Um, yeah. But I moved to the upstairs portion of bar hannah oh yeah hannah's bar yeah or bar hannah yeah 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 i'm trying to yeah. think now yet yeah, so that's uh, that's a place which once again has some of the same advantages of of stairways that that it has quite a large stage at the right hand side quite a big square box room with a little place to sit at the side if i remember rightly it's probably changed it's, a billion times since i since i've been yeah, in there I'm sure had, had a very small stage at the oh right time. okay the bar running along the left-hand side. Right. Oh um, yeah, yeah, I remember now. Yeah. And the and the, at the back, the corner was. Did, um, did, was it immediately after you did that first gig you started looking elsewhere, or did you do a few before you decided to go to Liverpool? Um, I might have done one or two more Whiplash um, DJ shows. Yeah. Um, but then I went to Liverpool, and then me world was my oyster then. Yeah. Well, the thing, the great thing is now, when 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 you make that move, there's a credibility of saying if the shows in Liverpool. If you're explaining to a band from Eindhoven or or from you know, Amsterdam or Sweden or Malmo or whatever in Europe, if you're explaining to them it's Liverpool, that's much more easier to explain than it's Birkenhead. You know what I mean? So you're gonna open up. Your whole world must have opened up. So at this stage. How are you contacting the bands that you're working with now? So Anathema and stuff like that, they're quite local, so you you see them and have actual conversations. I but I grew up, I grew up going to stay, uh, going to the Crazy House, um, yeah. and hanging out with Danny Carver and Bill Bill Steer and um, Jeff, and you know, so, yeah. so they were just friends for me, really. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never, never had the pleasure of hosting Anathema. Um, yeah. Although that I I don't think I would be able to. Um, although we'll come to that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah. So so you you go over to Liverpool and then it, it must have felt a bit more big time, a bit more kind of like I I need to kind of really kind of get my act together to do this well. What did you kind of say to yourself at this fair at these fair shows in Liverpool? What mistakes did you make you wanted to make sure didn't happen again? I imagine equipment was a big part of it then. Equipment was a huge part of it, and I worked very, very, very 
I was very, very mindful. I worked with the sound engineer. His name was Neil, and he was a youngish fella. Okay. I say youngish fella. He was probably a bit younger than me. He was a really nice, down-to-earth chap, chap who didn't actually care that I asked the same questions over and over again. Mm. It didn't mind that I'd say, go on then, <laughs> go do it, go on, go on, you'll do that for me, won't you? And got him to do all the, the heavy lifting. Yeah. That is something I've never got involved with. Um, yeah. Ever, I kind of know more about it. Do people that maybe don't don't understand the, the promoter's role sometimes. Sometimes there'll be some things that you have no choice over. So the venue will almost certainly always have their own sound guy um, yeah. because they want it. It's probably his equipment. They'll probably want to use him because they don't want to risk anybody else using the equipment. He's the only one trained in all the fucking stuff that goes wrong with it. So quite often, your relationship with the sound guy at a venue is absolutely paramount. Because normally as well, I don't know about this guy, but normally metal isn't their, isn't their thing. So they don't know necessarily how to do the sound for a metal show. And you have to kind of go, okay, well, this works, that doesn't work. This is what's going to happen. There's going to be maybe a pit and people will headbang. And you have to always give sound people and sometimes the, the venue people a bit of a kind of a crash course in metal. You have to kind of explain kind of what's going to happen, you know, and it, it's okay for people to headbang and, and push each other and stuff, and that's okay. So you you got the sound guy on on side pretty quickly then. Um, what else did you kind of look at to make sure it worked? Um, I only put two bands on. Okay. I didn't want to fill a night with bands yeah. and then the and lose the DJ side of it, and not because I wanted to stand there, go and look at me, I'm the DJ. I, I, yeah. It was more about playing the music that you don't hear, as well yeah. as listening to the heavy metal and the music that you don't see and hear in Liverpool very often as well. Um, now, I didn't actually put, in the, in the early days, I didn't put very many big bands on. I yeah. didn't put any big bands on. Um, but I put a couple of local bands on. Um, I gave um, a couple of bands their first show. For example, okay. um, I think I think do you know uh, Mr. Matthew Jones? Yes, this show. Uh, yeah, um, I, and I had a band who I absolutely adored. They were a lovely bunch of kids. Um, that came later, um, but they they were all playing their first shows for me. Sure. Um, so it, it's nice to see that they're still on the scene and doing really good things, and yeah. they have their, their show with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in stairways, I put on quite a few bands. Um, I remember going to um, Bloodstock. Okay. In 2003, I think it was, and okay. it was the Bloodstock at the um, Derby Assembly Rooms. It was inside. Yeah, yeah, when it was in the Assembly Rooms. Yeah, yeah. And I'd listened to Total Rock, and I'd actually really got into the band Biomechanical. Loved okay. them. Yeah, yeah. Went and got their T-shirt and their album straight away. So I had my album there. Um, and I went to the signing session, and I was chatting to the guys and saying, you know, can send me, send me CD, please. And once he'd all signed it, I said, thank you very much. You do know you've just signed a contract. You're going to come and play a, sh a show for me. <laughs> And they went, what, 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 what? I said, you're going to come to Liverpool and do a gig for me? And they were like, oh, uh, oh, yeah, all right then. 
okay. And I was thinking, shit, that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> so we swapped numbers and stayed in touch. And I, um, I, I knew um, the owner of Bloodstock as well through contacts and yeah. through from, from talking. He sort of emailed me and said, what about this band? Can they come and play for you? And what about mm. this band? And um, I'd given... Um, I told Vince, um, his name was, um, about um, After Forever. Got to get them on, got to get them on. Bring yeah, them to yeah, good, yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, he came down um, with, it was blood, it was biomechanical in phobia and four-way kill came and did the show. Okay. It was the biggest show I'd ever done. Okay, how many people was that? I, I don't know how many people came, but yeah. it was the big show in terms of famous people. Cause yeah, because they were they were they were all to to a lesser or greater degree established acts, weren't they? Yeah, is that when you is that when kind of uh, things like riders become in then, and and things like and day rooms and stuff like that? Did that kind of come in yet? No, no, no. Okay. They did want, I'm sure they did want something, but I can't remember. Okay. I really can't remember. Because um, at this stage, at this stage, ladies and gentlemen, especially if you're a promoter, because um, bands are also living out of vans and stuff and touring, it's difficult at, 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 the, at these kind of smaller levels. Now, um, you kind of, you, you, when you get to a show, working with the promoter could be something like you sleeping in their house, using their shower. You know, that happens kind of, that happened all the time, you know, and probably still does to a, a greater or lesser degree. So... A lot of people would stay in Sal's house. She would have the bands sleeping on the floor in 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 her own home, which is extraordinary oh. to me. Extraordinary, but that was a normal thing, wasn't it? Yeah, for me. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. I remember um, while we were in the Hannah's days. Um, I I'd been to London, and some fella came over with a flyer for his band. <laughs> um, I, I was in World's End in the pub. Um, yeah. I had a whiplash flyer, so I handed him a whiplash flyer, and he was yeah. like, oh, we'll play that, we'll play that. <laughs> they were called Violent Asylum. Violent Wait. Asylum. Violent Asylum. Okay. Violent Asylum, and they came from London, and they came all the way from London to play, yeah. but they had to come and stay with me because they had to yeah. go home the following day. Yeah. But they were absolutely leathered, and only one of them didn't get leathered. <laughs> The one who didn't get led to just driving the van, and okay. he, he was actually going to his mum's, who lived in Ellesmere Port. So he oh, was right, so it worked out the for him. Yeah. was off with me, and then going yeah. to Ellesmere Port after. Yeah. The car broke down. The van broke down. The singer nearly got arrested because he was on the lions outside St George's Hall. That's the statues, ladies and gentlemen, outside stage. You're you definitely not allowed on top of them. <laughs> to be fair, it was impressive that he got up there. He got up there. That's a bit of a hike, that like, yeah, to be honest. <laughs> Alan from Violence Asylum nearly got arrested, and I'm panicking, thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to arrest it. And they all came back to mine, and I told them we have to settle down and be quiet because we had to, you know be gone the next day and I remember going in I heard a noise and I went into um, my son's bedroom and one of them had um, decided to get into bed fully dressed into my son's bunk bed um, <laughs> with 
the slotty spoon, the ladle, not the, not the ladle, the um, the the big, big serving. I know what you mean. Yeah. And a box of sugar puffs. <laughs> I'm sat there eating them, and it's it, as metal as it gets. It's <laughs> as metal as it gets. <laughs> so when. When you're doing this, did at what point did bands and how did they get in touch with you? So you had the local bands, I imagine, would go, Sal, Sal, give us a show, you know, we'll open for whatever, whatever. But there was bands from Europe and stuff and the touring circuit around there. How did they start getting in touch with you? Um, okay. Um, there was a lot of bands um, who were from, like, Nottingham and they'd heard about Whiplash maybe through Total Rock or through... Yeah. Um, knowing somebody who's knows somebody who knows somebody. Yeah. Um, so, um, they used to email me or go to the website and email me from the website. Yeah. And then they'd um, ask if they can play. And but also I was hanging around a lot with Diamantian at the mm. time because um, I was going out with Ian, who later became the bass player and. Um, but we always used to knock around with them. They were all good friends of ours, so yeah. we used to knock around. So they used to go do a. They did a gig in Portsmouth. Right. Two of the support bands were really, really good. So I booked them to come up. Uh, One was called yeah. Nails or something. Not not to be confused with nailed. N- not the the hardcore outfit, like yeah, yeah, the other another nails, yeah. yeah. Um. And I can't remember the other. I can't remember the other. Seems the other like band. seems like an enormous amount of this was was word was word of mouth. Where you kind of talk to someone saying, "Hey, you want to you want to get in touch with Sal?" Was there ever a point where someone kind of approached you or emailed you you'd never heard of before, and you were like, "Oh, fuck, I've never heard of this band," and they were from like another country or something like that? Did you ever get that? No, um, no, not at first. Um, but I, I'd accidentally put a gig on with a band, and I can't even remember what they were called, but the drummer, it was a, another band that the drummer from Gorotted was in, and I didn't All know. Right. Okay. So did a gig for me. Yeah. Really, really liked it. Ah, and it goes back to Gorotted and, and yeah. Ah, okay. That's cool. That's so that's well, how that started. So, you know, you don't strike me as being the person who is, and if you do, you keep it inside. But whenever, when was the first time you put someone on and you were a little bit starstruck as well? Like, this is someone who, who fucking means you know, something to you. Do you consider it, in inverted commas, important? Um, I, I probably has to be uh, biomechanical. Right. I absolutely love them. John, John's voice was incredible. And yeah. I, I just really, really, really 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 loved them and i wouldn't stop listening to them so for me they were like they and they played they played bloodstock so they were obviously huge legit yeah legit you signed off like yeah 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 they were totally legit so when you when you were kind of did are we still a hannah's bar and our bar hannah's at this stage uh where, where do we move to from there we stayed, well, we stayed at Hannah's. Um, yeah, I suppose we need to move this along because we've got another 17 years to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I told you, Sal, we'll go as long as we want. There's people who want to know. There's people who want to know this shit. I'm one of them. So where do we go from there then? Where do we move to from Hannah's Bar and stuff? 
Well, we stayed at Hannah's for 13 months. Um, mm. On the 12th month, the manager, Neil, brought me a big bottle of champagne up at the end and said, well done, you know, we've yeah. been selling out beer and all kinds. Um, yeah. At this point, um, I had overheads. Ah, yeah, you would have been... Because previously, if, if, if we just sidebar this to a second, is that at Stairways, the guys go, it doesn't matter if you fucking win or lose, do what you want. Then you kind of start to get to the, 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 the real world, if you will, where they're going, well, listen, it costs, the bar staff costs this, the bouncer costs the whatever. So with, yeah. with, how did you deal with that then when you get these overheads coming in? That must have been like, what the fuck am I doing? Like? Well, I used to um, charge £3 on the door, mm-hmm. and I used to employ very lovely Neil Woodfin, or Beardy Weirdy, as he's known in the Total Rock Circles. Um and he came and did the door for me. Mm. When we were in Liverpool, we used to go out once a month and go inverted commering, flyering. Yeah. Where we'd go and put flyers up in all the places we know and then go and sit and and then we'd go to all the pubs that we knew on the circuit and yeah. a couple of flyers about and just have one while we were in there and end up yeah, having yeah. watered. It's definitely not a pub crawl. It's definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Well, definitely not. Um, so, so where did you where did you kind of move things to then? Where did where, what what and why? So he, he gives you a bottle of champagne. You're obviously doing well. Mm-hmm. Why, why leave then? Um, the we'd done a gig on the thirteenth month and it was a really good gig and it yeah. was a really busy gig and we'd had a really good night. And I'd left my camera in the little DJ booth and it was a little DJ booth. It was tiny. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd left it in there, and I, the night was finished. I'd left, yeah, um, and I just went to go back in, yeah, because I'd, I'd I'd lost it. The bouncers had moved because the bouncers knew me, but yeah. the owner was there, right. and the because the owner was there, he didn't know who I was. He hadn't been yeah. there for months, for years. Yeah, I'd yeah. only had a deal, and yeah. he actually pushed me over. Oh right, oh shit, that's it. <laughs> That's it, then, isn't it? That's that's how you got it, yeah. So you you, you now you're looking for someone else, and yeah. now you must have a really good idea at this point because you've been doing it like what, say, let's say two years, maybe two from being yeah. even DJing, yeah. So you must have a really good idea of what the fuck you want to do. You must have an idea of what you want it to look like, what you want. You must have a really good idea. So when you go into a new venue now, what were you thinking in your head? What do I want? Was it was it the people that run it to, to work with them really well, or was what was important to you? I've always worked really well with everybody I've ever worked with. Yeah. So when I've worked at every venue, I've always worked really well. Yeah. The next venue I moved to was a little venue called Heaven and Hell. Heaven and Hell, shit, I'm old. If I remember this shit, that's, <laughs> I'm not you're not old. I'm old before. So what made it? What made you choose Heaven and Hell? It was available. It was cheap. Sure, that's honest. That's honest answer. Cool. <laughs> what we got? What you got to remember here, Sal, is there's going to be people listening, and we'll get to this. We will definitely get to this part of it. There's people listening who who want to do what you did, so they want to be a promoter. They want to do that type of stuff, and so it's important, I think, to kind of talk about the lessons that you learn and why you move forward because. They can not have to make the same mistakes that, 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 unfortunately, we all had to make to get to where we are. So how long are you to heaven and hell for then? Is that like a longer time or? Probably about the same again. Right. Um, 
Yeah, 2004 to 2005. Yeah. Um, so, in 2004, when I started, or to end of 2003, 2004, yeah. um, started a completely new chapter in Whiplash's life, really. Yeah. Because um, the first gig I put on, we realised that the whole PA sound system wasn't up to anything. Right. I brought two bands up from up from Scotland, down from, from Scotland. Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Fabulous band called Akron. Um, absolutely amazing band. Um, and oh, what the other band were called? I loved them as well. I will. I'll get the seed. Dionysus. Dionysus. Okay. I think it was Dionysus, and they were, okay. but they were a fabulous couple of bands. Yeah. Both had amazing voices. And could we buggery hear a word that they said? It's an awful sound system, yeah. It's awful. The whole night, it was embarrassing, and I was just mortified, absolutely mortified. Yeah, yeah. However, in walked a uh, very tall stranger called Dave, who okay. apparently had a, a lovely sound system that we could hire and borrow and use and... We said we jumped on on the chance. I had to hire my own sound engineer, um, and my lovely friend Ennis um, put me on to um, a guy called Serge, who was a SAE student. Right. SAE is it SAE? Should be yeah yeah yeah. Um, he was a student learning sound engineering, so wanted to cut his teeth and was cheap um, yeah. <laughs> because we're now gone from just hiring a room to hiring a room hiring a pa hiring yeah. a van yeah <laughs> well the, the, the amazing thing what people don't realize about the independent scene and the unsigned scene if you will is that every single person in it is give, being being given a chance like so the bands are being given a chance some of them first gigs like you say but also sound engineers it's the first time they've ever had to mix a band most of them you know the engineers like it's the first time for a lot of people there to kind of it's their inroad to the business so you have what you what you lack in ability you have to make up with enthusiasm and hard work you know which i've quite often talked about this on the show the these people, like, say you've got a student who's never really kind of properly mixed a band, but, you know, he's, he's willing to kind of do it. And these are, this is why this is why grassroots music and, and your independent live music venues are so fucking important. People think that it's just bands that are getting a fair shout at stuff. It's not. It's promoters. It's DJs. It's sound engineers. It's all these people are getting a first look at things like, you know. So things are obviously leveling up. Let's move through some of the venues that you have. Was there a particular venue that you stayed a long time at then? Or was it a year cyclic sort of thing? Yeah, it was cyclic. Um, I will have to continue with Heaven and Hell because that's okay. when things were growing a little bit. Sure, yeah. Um, although, when I was going back to when I was in Hannah's, the guy I've just mentioned, yeah. um, Ennis, he spoke to anathema and also an orchestra okay and we together well i say together he did the the he did all the hard work i just went in there and dj'd um and um 
we put a show on i can't even remember where it was it's a place that's not there anymore um and anathema with the string quartet was one of the best moments ever yes peace with it the song in a piece with a string quartet yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Amazing. amazing it was really really good um so yeah so so i was involved with that a little bit not very much um yeah. but yeah i was invited to to be the dj for the night which is which is still really good that's nice I was so, so like i say was there was there a venue then that you kind of spent a long period of time or it was just a case of moving from one venue to the next it was a case of moving from one venue to the next. However, we're coming up to a break where I had a bit of a break in proceedings. Okay. So while I was at while I was at Heaven and Hell, I'd put bands on, um, and I'd, I'd inadvertently put the band on that had uh, Junkie John from Garotted in. Okay. Garotted spoke to Tim, who is the singer. Mm. Yeah, just trying to just trying to piece it all together. Yeah, <laughs> Tim is um the guy who organized a little mini tour and asked would i help okay um and bearing in mind hannah's bar not hannah's bar sorry heaven and hell in yeah. hell yeah heaven, funnily enough heaven was downstairs and, and yeah. it was up yeah, with yeah. All, the, all the lovely clouds and yeah. if you went upstairs you went to hell and it was flames and yeah. things like that it had a stage which was not the biggest stage and a very it was like a step like a curb to get on it and it had one light and that one light had one filter and it was red (laughs) so the togs hated it Um, (laughs) and he asked me would I put a band on and I said yeah okay and it ended up not being one band it ended up being five bands um, but long and short of it that's how i met behemoth behemoth, okay. behemoth. Yeah. Um, because yeah. they played me in hannah's in 2000 and either the back end of 2004 or the very beginning of 2005 yeah. um they're now headlining bloodstock they're yeah, now i watched the set i watched it i was i was grateful enough to be side of stage to watch that what's that um, and it was, it was, you know, he was playing stuff from the Satanist, and 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 it was, it was, it was beautiful to to think that that they played in heaven and hell blows me mind. That blows <laughs> my mind. That blows my tiny mind. But yeah, so you kind of get to know Behemoth and stuff, and kind of okay. So that's interesting because they were, they were. I'm thinking 2000. Yeah, they were still pretty, that were a pretty big name. Yeah, that was, big. was the start of the rider. That was yeah. the first rider I ever did. Okay. I got a contract for and my god did I crap my pants when I got that ride why why because they wanted somewhere to shower somewhere to sleep they wanted this that and the other and I'm thinking I'm gonna minute I'm used to just abstaining the house (laughs) (laughs) tells and they wanted um they they wanted so much stuff yeah and I was like they wanted food they wanted this and I'd never never thought of riders or anything before and they wanted all this booze and they wanted this that and the other and for me it was such a massive jump from what i'd been used to doing just be two yeah. little bands three yeah. at a push um get everyone getting pissed playing uh, man of war at 10 to at quarter to two in the morning to <laughs> get them, getting 
loads of people singing hail and kill at top of their voices <laughs> and stuff like that. you know it was it was just so completely out of my comfort zone it was like me starting putting bands on all over again yeah, yeah. and there was a lot riding on it because they were a big band and yeah. they were and my boyfriend at the time had told me, oh, they're Polish, they eat everything. Oh, they're not nice Polish people. And I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know. And I'm not going to lie. I didn't do it to the best of my ability. I've okay. learned a lot since then. Yeah. They wanted access to showers. So right. they said access to showers. Had I yeah. known, I'd got them a day room. Yeah. I did um i phoned the ymca up the road and they said that they could go in and use the showers for a donation to the tsunami yeah um, yeah, yeah which was really good however they came back petrified because there was homeless people eyeing up their stuff right okay <laughs> so they weren't too impressed with that um i'd made i'd made some sandwiches and a cake because that's, ah, the, first, that's okay. the first Okay. <laughs> um, but then they wanted hot food as well right. so i went to Costco. we went to costco um and, and got a load of pizzas yeah. um however nurgle had spoken to me just before and he says what are jacket potatoes i said oh i can get you some of those would you like jacket potatoes <laughs> so we've got potatoes um yeah. so they had jacket potatoes pizza and sandwiches and cake and beer um and then as bands do it's like um right we need we need something a barrier for the stage we need a barrier for the stage to stop people getting on the stage and i'm thinking you're in liverpool people will be pitting outside the stage they're not going to want to get <laughs> on the stage. it's not actually a stage yeah. um um and we ended up dragging um there was a an old bench that was okay. a pew from a church. <laughs> That's amazing. And we pulled that across. So yeah. with the the the, the, the pictures I've got of, of I've got Nurgle with his foot on a on a church pew. Um, That's amazing. Really funny. Really good. They want. Uh, they also asked. Oh, we we need a, we need a mirror. And I'm thinking, where the bloody hell am I going to get a mirror from? Yeah, I got a sharp knife and went and took, uh, unscrewed a mirror off the lady's toilet bowl. <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. They got everything they wanted. They did a really yeah. good. Uh, they had a band with them called Ex Mortem, who are amazing. Yeah. yeah. Really nihilistic contentment. I think was the album they were touring at the time, and it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, really nice fellas. All really, really really good um supreme lord also played with them okay. um and the singer ian no no i can't remember what his name is now i can't remember what his name is um has since played for vader all oh, right okay yeah yeah um, <laughs> so yeah um and he's a such a nice fella as well um so that they were that they were the bands and then i put two locals on and dilacerate with the, the band of choice by that point okay they they were able to supply lots and lots of kit. They were young lads um, from Southport, and 
Matty from oh god what's his name Matt Campbell who is in oh I can't remember the name begins with an E Ethereal okay so, Ethereal yeah Matt, Matty who used to be in um who's in Ethereal and used to be in or is still in Diamantian um also used to be in Dilacerate it was his first band um and but they used to hear the call all the time and i'd just say can i borrow your kit and they'd come and ring the kit and he'd invariably play as well because a band hasn't turned up or something they were really good kids really nice really nice kids um it's nice to, it's nice to see that they're doing well and whatever they're doing now because i've got them all on facebook so i stalk them a little bit i don't <laughs> i don't <laughs> so at this at this stage now, you do you feel as though you've moved up a, a, to a whole other level now? You know, you look at the likes of Beamers and stuff like that, and you're getting riders and, and having to manage the finances of what's going on. Did it feel like things were moving now? Did you feel like, I mean, how many shows are you putting on a year then at this point? It was still once a month. Okay. However, however um, I think a couple, I think three, I put. Th- I was still doing the once a month, but I did that one in between right. because obviously the dates couldn't line up exactly. But I could yeah. have the venue on the day and and whatever. Um, in quick succession, I got to put on um, pungent stench. Okay. Which was interesting. Um, they were all interesting, I have to say. But Punch and Sense was interesting. They were Austrian. They were not interested in doing a sound check because they wanted to watch the football because Austria was playing. Okay. Um, so they didn't sound check. I'd brought over um as a Diamantian had gone to Finland to record their album and do a tour yeah. um with a band called Maple Cross. So Maple Cross came over. Um, uh, with another band, I can't remember the their name. I'm very, very sorry. Um, and so those two were on the bill, and Dilacerate lent the kit, so Dilacerate were on the bill. So Dim- so Dilacerate, Diamantian, Maple Cross, and Pungent Stench. Um, I think there might be another one, but I might have forgotten. Um, I am getting on a bit now I'm amazed your powers of recall for the bands that you mentioned now I'm amazed with them they will be amazed too like you know they this is probably bands that maybe some bands don't even exist anymore and, and and Sal still remembers so at this stage now you're putting on one show a month and and you know you're moving through through various venues what are you kind of what are you kind of highlights of 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 the shows like you know was there particular shows that you remember for good or for bad um, I, re- I remember getting a hug off Nurgle afterwards and said, thank you very much for the tuna sandwiches. They were very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not the most metal thing in the world. How many it- people have got that sentence that you could say, though? No, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it was so brilliant. It was when, when, does it kind of, when does it kind of reach a point where, did you ever think, I could do this as a living now, and I could, and I could do this solely as a living? No. happened? Sadly, I did one more big gig after that, and then it stopped. Right. So in 2005, um, I couldn't. I couldn't get. I don't know whether it was because I couldn't get Heaven and Hell. I don't know the reason, but I moved to the Zanzibar for one okay. show. Yeah. 
Um, that show was um, oh my world decapitated. Okay. Okay. Pre-accident decapitated, so we had Martin yeah, sure. and uh, everybody else. Yeah. And um, they, it was Martin. It was Martin. It was uh, decapitated with gore rotted. Um, they lacerate played, um, and two other plant bands played. It was a five five band bill, and it was heaving. It was huge. Yeah. It was one yeah, of the biggest yeah, yeah. ever done. It was the biggest, it, it, it was fab. It was a really, really good show. Um, decapitated were lovely. Um, <laughs> I know that's... Only a- the heaviest, this is something as well that only, only promoters may, may be fully aware of, certainly the promoters listening. The bands that are the, play the most violent and, you know, destroying metal are normally lovely. Just, I don't want to break any taboos here, but the normally lovely people, they just find, I think it's because they kind of get it all out on stage and musically that they just kind of spent and they're not as, they're not as angry after, you know, afterwards. Like, but so it was, was that it then? Did, did the whole thing stop after that or what happened? It, yeah, yeah, it stopped after that. That was the last show um, simply because um, I was moving house. Right. Um, when when I was with one other thing to mention, when we had to get all the sound equipment um, and hire all of that, I also had to buy all the microphone stands and cables, so I had them. Yeah, yeah. So also had to transport those every week, and I didn't drive, so I was reliant on my then boyfriend, yeah, whole husband, ex-husband, yeah. to to help um, with the transportation. Yeah. Um, so I. Me and my then boyfriend were moving house. We were moving in together, so we were both selling our places yeah. and getting together. So okay. because I'd sold my place, I had to put all my things into storage, and it just seemed like too much of an upheaval to continue yeah. with all of that. Yeah. And at the ta- at the time, yeah. um, and then not long after, I um I found out I was pregnant, so it okay. kind of completely it went on the back burner completely. Yeah that burner yeah um i concentrated on the day job on the family on on... as you should do yeah of course yeah yeah so but by but by 2009 yeah we're jumping a couple of years now you'd be glad just a little just a little (laughs) just a little okay so we're in 2009 now yeah so what so what happened then 2009 i just wanted to, to find out who i was again i was Working wow. on the outboard, I wanted to. I wanted a bit, a little bit of me back. Yeah. Do you think? Did you? Did given? Did given? Was Whiplash an extension of your personality then as well? Was I it kind? So. Yeah. I, and then without that, you're not kind of you're not allowing yourself to breathe, almost allowing yourself to be. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I never. I, well, we didn't go to, to gigs very often. Yeah. Once, once, once Lewis came along, and yeah. we were, you know. It was all about paying the bills and getting everything yeah. else. And yeah. So, so on the thirty first of no thirty first of December two thousand and nine, I told my husband my New Year's resolution was to bring Whiplash back. Yes. <laughs> yes. So how the so what was what was the first show? The first show was 
going to be amazing. Okay. And then I found out we were double booked. <laughs> Happens a lot. It does happen a lot. But the other gig was going on in the other room in the same venue. Oh, dear. However, it turned out bloody fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> what were you, who was the first show you have on? So my first show was um, a, a, a Polish band called Sklavinia. Okay. Who... who um, I had put on, I'd never put them on before, but I really liked what they were doing. So, yeah. like, Polish death metal, it was really good. Uh, yeah. Sklavinia, um, Diamantian, as they were more yeah, in Diamantian, kind of had to had to be done, didn't it? Yeah. Um, and then Ethereal. And then it was, oh, bands beginning with a D. Not decapitated. Desecration. The Welsh guys. Yeah, yeah. So it was a really heavy, really heavy start. Yeah. Um, And I think that's kind of where it left off. It was really, really heavy. However, I got a a, a phone call from Paula. Um, Paula was the lady who did the bookings. One of the, Paula and Gemma did the bookings in um what was the um the mask okay yeah mask venue um now the arts they, club yeah 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 the arts club there saying sal we're really really sorry we've just realized you're booking for the 16th of april 2000 yeah. and oh i can't remember what date yeah 2010 right we we booked napalm death for the other room oh shit Okay. So they said, so we'll just open it up and we'll just have, um, we'll make sure the gigs, that one band finishes in your room, the band will start in the other room. Yeah. And if you pay to come into one gig, you pay to come into them all. And rather yeah. than me then having to pay to rent out the room. Yeah. They made sure my bands were covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a little bit. and then, I remember that show. Do you? I was at that show. And then I DJ till two o'clock. <laughs> I remember that show. I think at the time, if memory serves, I think it does. I was interviewing and doing press stuff, and I sat down um, with Napalm Death. I'm almost sure I sat down with Barney. I'm pretty. I'm, I'm almost certain I did at that very show. Wow. <laughs> so, it was it was it a big start again? Did you find? Did you go straight into being a show a month, or what happened? No. Okay. No. It kind of just exploded. Right. There's no other way. There's absolutely no other way of 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 saying it. It just yeah. absolutely went crazy. What I wanted to do was the same format that I'd done, and I was quite happy to do. Yeah. However, the DJing kind of had to stop. The only time I did a bit of DJing was in between the bands starting. Right. And that ended up just being a playlist that the the sound engineer pressed play and pause and start from yeah, playing yeah, yeah. because. It became a, a three or four band with rider with everything else. I mean, um, there was no rider requirements for that first gig. Um, any rider that Napalm had was being met by the being met by the mask. However, wow. I took four cakes in. I had two coconut and jam cakes and two two chocolate cakes, two for each what were two for each room, 
Um, so all even though they, the bands that were on in the other room, and I'd had no, no, no hand in booking, they yeah. still got cakes. Napalm got cakes. My band's got cakes. But yeah. that was the start. I think the day after that show, I got contacted by a record company um, saying, I, I need a gig and I need a venue for a gig for, for the 27th of April. Um, I, I really, really, we're just missing one day. Um, can you do it? So I checked and we could. And then it was like 11 days later, Ragnarok came and played. Sure, yeah. With Nagora Bungit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. And the sound yeah. engineer got the shock of his life because I don't think he's ever um, mic'd up a, a big plank of wood before. <laughs> <laughs> They're quite something, yeah. yeah. So you, so, it sounds like things started moving fairly fairly quickly then. Um, do, did you just stay at the one venue or did you move to another venue now? No, I stayed. I stayed at the Mask. I, um, I think it was a great venue. That there were, for, for, for those people listening as well, the Mask had this. Uh, it was. It's, it's on two floors. Well, technically speaking, three. Um, but the very base floor, if you will, the, the 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 ground floor. Sorry, the basement floor is like if you can imagine um, a Roman Colosseum, like the half Colosseum, where people could stand on multiples of steps and then the stage, and then you've got like an upstairs, uh, mid stage one, which is like kind of where the bar is, and then there's a a number of places you can play and, and do smaller stage stuff. And then you go upstairs and then there's that huge room with the two double doors. Is that breaking it up? And then there's yeah. the stage that I've played that on the, on that very stage. It's a great, I don't know. I, I, I went and seen a couple of shows there when it was, when it's, when it's the article now, like, and I don't think they do anything downstairs anymore. I think it's all upstairs. I hope so. I hope someone does yeah. that. Cause I used to love that venue. I love that venue. Mm. Uh, perfect for metal. Perfect for metal. You used to put everything on in the attic, which was that room. With oh, that's, that was called the attic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was called the attic, the upstairs room. Um, and it, um, but I had booked um a very small show. Um, Earache Records got in touch with me because okay. everybody all of a sudden very quickly knew who I was, and asked I put on a show for them. And I was like, "Can I let you know?" and it was back in the day where I actually listened to my husband a little bit and he was like, no, don't touch it. Don't touch it. No one knows who they are. No, yes. Nobody's heard of them. And I'm thinking, well, I've heard of them. That's enough. That's one. <laughs> so I booked them and then didn't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and the band was Wormrot. Ah, oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, so I I booked Wormrock to play. Was it the Roadhouse? It was a different venue because the Roadhouse, um, it yeah. had to be done on very much on the cheap. Yes, and, but I was doing the show on the seventeenth. I was doing the show on the sixteenth, mm -hmm. and somebody told me that the Roadhouse has just burnt down. Is that the Manchester Roadhouse? Or are we talking no, about? Some... No, I don't think it's called the Roadhouse. It, okay. it was by the Bomb Dog Church or by the. Okay, I think I do. My memory's terrible. My memory's terrible. But it, it burnt down and you couldn't do the show then? Yeah, so it was like, oh my word, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And my ex-husband was like, well, I told you you shouldn't do it. You're going to have to cancel now. And so I ended up um, moving it to the Zanzibar. Sure. Um, 
and it was amazing. It was really good. It was a really good show. Even my little brother came to it, and he only likes Ramstein, so we, <laughs> he loved it. Um, and they were brilliant, and they were really nice, and they were, re- you know, they had Ryder, and every band I ever did from that point on had a Ryder. Every every show I ever did had a Ryder. We'll take we'll take a sidebar here now to talk about cakes. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons that Sal is well known amongst the seed is not because she's fantastic at what she does and she's super nice human being. She is. But a lot of the times I heard about Sal as the lady with the cakes. So what Sal would do, Sal would bake like crazy. And she would be at the venue, there'd be all these Tupperware boxes with, with cake in. And it was just, you know, I didn't know it then, but I do now. It was just one of those things that made you unique. And it was just showed that you, you give a fuck. Now, I've been to all over Europe and bits and pieces touring and you remember certain venues that do stuff that they didn't need to do and they're really nice so they do stuff or they cook this or they cook like the, 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 there's a lady in, in in a venue in germany who always does absolutely fucking amazing stew whenever we're there and it's not nothing to do with the rider it's just that something she did because she just was like this is a nice thing to do for those people so my first introduction to sal was there's a lady who books metal who does who bakes cakes as well and i'm pretty sure that's probably how you got talked about to other people so oh, she books metal yeah the lady with cakes yeah yeah so yeah. i just so i just wanted to get to, to give props to, to um to the bakery skills of sal before we go any further and isn't it incredible to think of there's wormrod sitting backstage eating cakes and, and or barney from from napalm eating cake. i think that's a beautiful yeah. image that like so now things are moving now things are kind of going and record companies are getting in touch with you as well as as often as the case and is it, are the quality that are, the, are you getting more high profile artists then? And are we staying well, at the Zanzi? Yeah, I okay. didn't stay at the Zanzi. I right. put one more show on at the Zanzi. However, um, I disagreed because it was a Saturday night. Yeah. I was unhappy that um, they wanted me to delay putting shows on till midnight. Right. Because that's not how I wanted it, and I, yeah. I just, I just felt that I'm paying x amount of money to hire the venue which should be how i want it to be yeah um so i just made a point of of, of not booking there again it was the last it was a, it was like a last place of if it was desperate i'd, I'd look to book there mm. but saying that i really got on with tony yeah rest in peace he was a yeah, lovely fella yeah, i yeah. saw him i saw him actually probably about a month before he passed away and he yeah. walked up to me in the middle of Costco. Went, hello, Sal, how are you? And I was like, hello. Yeah. Um, Tony uh, and the Zanzibar, it, 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 may, it may well have, or it certainly at one point was, one of the best sounds in the Zanzibar. That was uh, Certainly a Liverpool music yeah. scene. And to, Tony was just, you know, I mean, a lot's been said about him, and rightly so. What a super, super person. Just a great human being. You know what I mean? Real sad loss on his passing. And the stuff yeah, he did seem like yeah. real sad loss, like, you know, what a t- he, t- wonderful he human being. His, he just wanted his club run the way he wanted it to be run. And yeah. I had slightly different ideas and yeah. we didn't fall out over it. We compromised. No, just decided to do something else, you know? Yeah. So where did and you I, go after that? I, I stayed at, the, I stayed at the, the mask, but I okay. Um, kind of graduated to the big boy room. <laughs> <laughs> so what acts, uh, what acts are we moving to now then 
Um, Watain. Okay. Was it a full show with Watain? With the full, the, yeah. Wow. Okay. In that, full in that room. Show. Wow. Okay. Full show. Full yeah. smell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At this point, did it? Was there ever a point, Sal, where you think I can do this and I can do it well, or were you always shitting yourself? Was there a point where you go, I know what I'm doing, or were you always? Was there always a little bit of doubt? There's always a there's always a doubt until the bands are on stage. There's always a doubt because right. bands ask for stupid things, and you've got to make it happen. Yeah, you um, got the punches, yeah. Yeah. So Watain played first time with. I don't know. If I should tell you this. Okay. Then the answer's obvious. Yes. <laughs> The first time I put Watain on, I had uh, KK Downing um, with them for Destroyer 666. They supported. Wow. Um, and I got a phone call. Um, we're, we're about an hour and a half away. Can you please ensure that there's a, a doctor at the venue for when we arrive? It's okay. like, it, it don't work that way. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, I said, you know, when, when we arrive, I will take whoever needs to go to the walking centre to the walking yeah. centre okay and I say it's to be KK and there uh, off we wander I I, I, I um, had a couple of friends helping get the rider in because the rider was astronomical 40 towels this that yeah, and the yeah. other litre of pig's blood as you do you know proper yes, as you do thing. standard <laughs> standard <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> so I, I'm trusting all the friends and people who have got running for me to make sure everything goes in the venue and everyone knows how to set the food up because um, I have special rules of how to set the food up um, and I take KK down to the um, walking centre which is mm. probably about 10 minute walk yeah 15 minutes yeah and we're chatting and he's saying you know oh I really need to see the doctor blah 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 so we walk in and He's like, I'm visiting this lady. Um, yeah. And so I said, yes. Um, so I give all my address. And he is, I, I don't know where he's from, Dutch, Austrian. So so he, he talks very loud because he, he, he's trying to get his, his English across. And right. he just talks, he, he just talked very loud anyway. Yeah. And he's saying, yes, I am, I am, I've come to visit this lady and this, 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 and yeah. everyone's can hear my address going in everyone can hear that everything everything's happening and then he's saying i need to see the doctor it is urgent and they're saying we don't have a doctor on on for another hour i will have to wait and then all of a sudden he goes oh i think i need to be over there and points to the sexual health clinic okay there we go welcome to Torin. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So the woman well, just that looks, happens. It does happen. Looks at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It's your name going down there. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening and thinking that the glamorous world of promoting is for you, be known that you could be sitting in a in an exceptional <laughs> health clinic with with one of the people that may be touring and coming to your venue to play. <laughs> ah yes. <laughs> oh, so we had to go up 
there's the sexual health clinic where he could get the antibiotics he needed. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, but by which time he was a little bit embarrassed as well. So he said, give me a number. Yeah. If I get if I get lost, I'll give yeah. you a call, but you just go back to the venue and sort everything out. Yeah. But I had to give all my details in again at the clinic. Oh, it was it, <laughs> things you shouldn't have to do as a promoter. I was. Oh, no, more... no, no, it's it's half of the course. Yeah, you have to just be <laughs> rolling the punches. So are, are you kind of like, I'm wondering, at what point did the, the whiplash end? What, what, what year are we talking now when it, when it kind of ended? 2013. So we've still got, like, you know, we're in, like, 2009, 2010 now. We've still got a couple of years. Did you pretty much then, between then and it, and it ended, were you still kind of heavily still promoting and still doing it in that time? Yeah. every Ended up being once every three weeks, once every two weeks, once every month, depending on, you know, I might go a month without putting a show on, and then I could put three on in the space of five weeks, depending you, on. You must, have, you must have learned an enormous amount of stuff in that time. You must have learned about yourself, about yourself. You know what I mean? You, you're a certain type of person, that a band, and let's say you put an average sort of three, four band bill on, and that's potentially like, you know, 40 people, and you're meeting them all the time, and your people skills must be, well, I know the, I, I know you, so I know that, that your people skills are through the roof, but you must have learned a lot about yourself doing that. Um, yes, I know. Um, I learned a lot about that I love to look after people. And I miss okay. not. I miss. That's the real secret, isn't it? Promoting. That's the real yeah. secret, isn't it? Good people skills. The other thing is, when I first started and I first stopped putting the shows on properly in 2010, I didn't know that you were meant to te- treat bands like shit and not feed them. I didn't know that was what happened in our country. <laughs> I just thought if you wanted a band to be at your house for five o'clock to, to load in and sound check. That's tea time, <laughs> isn't it? it but it, I, I can tell you from absolute first-hand experience that you always remember the people that are nice to you. And, <laughs> when, and, and every band, and I'm telling you now, every band, when they get the tour book and they're looking through and they realise they're playing a venue or a promoter, they, they know, they'll remember the good ones. You do remember the good ones. I remember the ones that pulled guns on me and give me fuck all food and don't pay me. I remember them as well. But I also remember all the people that were nice. And it means that sometimes the, how's the best way to explain this? That they become integral to the touring cycle. So when the sitting, when you're sitting there now, you go, okay, well, we can know we've got Sal and Liverpool. So we, if we go from Liverpool, we can go from Liverpool to Scotland or they, you become part of that. Did you yeah. find then you, you were picking up a lot of touring musicians then that were coming through on cycles of tours then? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, there was, Three of us, there was um, Nimai Pujara in London, there was okay. me in Liverpool. So they'd go to London, come to Liverpool, and then they'd go and see Fergal over in Ireland. Ireland, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fergal's still but, still in charge of things over there, like super, super human being, he? like, yeah. Oh, I haven't even heard from him, I've not, for a very long time. And I've, I'm Nimai as well, I've not heard from or seen yeah. anything else for a very long time. There was a guy in the Midlands, but he stopped in right. 2011 um which is quite controversial but we won't go into that because that's nothing to do with me um but yeah so i started picking up big tours yeah. at that point so who and, are you having on then at this point uh vader gorgoroth yes 
day of fly. Days I came and played. Um, then there was um, Vader again. Um, Watain played for me twice. Um, then I had pe- people, uh, Blood Red Throne came and played for me in 2011. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then they played for me again in 2012. And then they played for me again at my personal request in 2013, <laughs> which was amazing. Um, um, I had, um, in a heartbeat, no no hesitation, Wormrot came back. Yeah. Um, but then I had pit bands like General Surgery come and play. Um, just just all kinds of bands, just, just so many bands. Um, one of my favourite shows ever that I did was one of the most poorly attended. Right. Okay. Because Man of War were playing at the same night at a different venue, so I was right. gutted. Um, but it was Man Must Die. I, they are one of my favourite bands ever. I love them to bits. Such nice fellas as well. Yeah. But I think we had about 17 people in. Okay. Which isn't great. Mm. How, do you, um, how do you deal with, like, because for the most part, every gig that I've, I've been at of yours has always been particularly amazingly attended. And obviously that's, that's its, own, its own reward. How do you deal with it when it shits out? How do you deal with it when, when no one turns up? I cry. Because <laughs> I, I, I get the feeling you kind of, uh, you still kind of work just as hard on the gigs where there's no one there than the gigs with a full. I get the feeling yeah. that you just kind of get on with it um, and, yeah. and do it without like, you know. Yeah, we've had a couple of gigs. I, I put a, um, Vader on. Who was it? Who was it? Was it Vader and Gorgoroth or was it Vader and... I put Vader on twice, but the first, second time I put them on, because they insisted, another band that insisted on coming back, was two weeks before um, the Deicide show. And people weren't buying tickets for either, and I was a bit worried. And I lost a lot of money on the very first Vader show. Yeah. Like, two grand. Lost a lot of money on the first yeah, Vader show. Yeah. Um, which then et into the profit for the day aside show, and I had to get a loan um, to, to 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 ensure that I could cover that. Wow, that's just something that people don't really realise is that a lot of promoters are living from one show to the next, and yeah. a run of say one or two or three shows that are badly received can be an can then that can be. A, that's like you say, yeah. it's a couple of thousand pounds. And that's one of the things that when people are always saying about go and support live music, um, there's, there's an element of like, so let, practical example time, because of the work you did with Vader and things like that, that's why you get Deicide coming along because you establish yourself as being a route that they can take as they tour through their cycle. Sometimes yeah. people have to go to the smaller shows because that's establishing a link. So they can book bigger acts. That's how it grows. And that might seem to me a new, very simple concept. But to some people out there, some people are going, what, so I'm meant to go to a show that I don't want to go to? I mean that you should support. I used to go to Sal's shows because Sal was running them, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. And I know a lot of people did. Did you find a lot of people, you recognize the same faces then at your shows? Because you move I... from venue to venue, but the clientele stays 
there seems to be a core audience, right? As the show ended, I used to go and thank everybody personally at the door. There you go, eh? There you go. Does that? It was, it was just a love fest. It was hugs everywhere. It was great. I'm yeah. a hugger. Um, yeah. I remember my friend Did Craig. you hug Glenn? Did you hug Glenn Benton? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you he hug Glenn? He kicked me off several times, then. True fact. I give him a kiss on his crucifix and stuff and his up oh, no, bit cross. Right. I don't, I don't <laughs> fancy Glenn Benton. Let's just put that one out there. Um, but it was a proper fangirl moment when I, when I, when I saw him because yeah. because I'd had a couple of weeks before in such panic about the payment yeah. because um, the week before they decided that they wanted three quarters of the payment before Glenn got off the bus. Yeah. And I was like, that can't happen because I've not had the pre-sales to make that happen. And you want a, an almighty rider and you want your 84 bottles of Baileys. No, he wanted, he, he didn't want Baileys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a myth. <laughs> okay. So you want your, your, this, that and the other and your, your meal on arrival and your meal afterwards. And your, I, I just can't make it happen. I, I really yeah. can't make everything happen. So yeah. we with a little help from the mask um as i say they were amazing i got the loan and the loan wouldn't come through until after but it, they were on a promise I, I promised that and the reputation allowed me to do this yeah yeah um so yeah so they were just so so they came they got off the bus um glenn benton struts in with his flip-flops on <laughs> <laughs> fabulous and he's got an app on his phone. Okay. And it's beeping. And it's going beep, 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 beep. And he's going, what's your name? And I said, Sal. And shook his hand. And he said, Sal, have you brought me to this place that's motherfucking haunted? <laughs> <laughs> and he had what? a haunted, um, a ghost app on his phone. So the pair of them. <laughs> He made me download on my phone, and when the pair of us went right round the mask in the round the back, and That's up, amazing. So I went ghost hunting with Glenn Benton. <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? But the worst thing was, I'd booked his day room in the Adelphi, and he really nearly killed me when he came back. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. He's like, that's really motherfucking haunted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's allegedly Adelphi's one of the most haunted places in on in Liverpool, isn't it? Like, his app must have been dinging away, like, you know. It's... <laughs> it was so brilliant. I think, I think we've probably put enough people off whoever thought in their wildest dreams about becoming a promoter. I think we've put enough people off. But there will be still some people here, either the first-time promoters who haven't been doing it a long time, people who think that they're going to do it, People think that that's maybe a way of supporting the scene. They're going to become a promoter. What's your advice to someone out there? So, so hold on. Let me turn that. Let me let me rephrase that. There's a young Sal sitting listening now, and you've got and you've got to say, listen, Sal. You know, 15, 16 years ago, this is what I used to do. Let me tell you. Here's my advice. What would you advice you give to that young Sal before she did the first show? Don't bite off more than you can chew. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Don't bite off more than you can chew because there's no point saying you're going to put a show on with like an international signed band and this, that and the other. If your venue's not big enough to support it, if yeah. you don't have the equipment to support it and triple check everything. 
Yeah. And and treat your bands right. Yeah. Can't if, can't underestimate that enough. Yeah. You can't yeah. afford to pay them, at least afford to eat them. Uh, not eat them, feed them. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose the natural sort of run of things, uh, things came to an end. Was it an abrupt ending or was it? did it slowly peter off? From 2011, um, my health wasn't great and it just got worse and worse and worse and it got oh. worse with stress and it got worse with... Um, loud noises and and um it just got to the point where i was finding it very very difficult to manage everything yeah not to mention that that making money one gig losing money yeah it's quite it's quite a lot of stress to put someone under that yeah yeah it really it really really is and when you're not sure whether people are going to turn up or because people have a tendency to pay on the door so if you had a gig and you knew 200 people were definitely going to go Mm. You knew it was going to be a fabulous gig, but if you've only had 19 pre-sales, well, yeah. that's anyone's guess, isn't it? Yeah. And yes, you get a tiny bit more money through the door. However, with pre-sales, that's the, the money that affords to get you the rider in, pays for the venue, pays for um, the, their beer and everything that they've asked for, and yeah. any prepayments they've asked for as well. Yeah. Um, so... It, it 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 was I I'd, I'd done two years with uh, Budstock, um, where I'd um, become affiliated with Budstock and done metal to the masses. Um, I'd moved from um, the mask by this point. Um, I moved to um, the Lomax. Okay. God rest its soul. I love, love it. I love the Lomax. Yes. I, I, one of my favourite venues, I think, in, in Liverpool ever. It, it was amazing. I used to love sitting looking at the bands on the bal- from the balcony when they didn't balcony, think yeah, ace, yeah. Um, and it was just fabulous. It was really, really, really good. I, I used to love it there. Um, I hosted some fantastic bands. I've never seen a grand piano being brought up a very narrow flight of stairs before. You'd have now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Flesh God Apocalypse brought their their piano up. Yeah, it's tiny that to get a piano up there. Like Jesus Christ, that's mm-hmm. tiny. Even so, it was difficult. So, what, what, when did it end? Then what was the what was the last show then? Um, um. Do you know what? I can't remember. Okay. It was Gareth Hodgkinson on drums. I remember Gareth. Was it Gareth Hodgkinson on drums? Um, are you still there? I'm still here, yeah. I'm, I'm actively listening. Um, yeah, hello, 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 hello. Hi. Yeah, I've still got you. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hello? Uh, you're very quiet. Let me see it. There shouldn't be any other. Yeah, you might attend something. I'm okay, my end. Uh, let me just double check this. On again, it's okay. Yeah. There you go. There we go. I was listening. I was listening intently to Sal. That's what I was listening to, mate. That's what you were hearing. So, do, do, you, do you not remember the last bands? You not remember those? I can. I can remember them very, very clearly, but I can't remember the names of them. <laughs> and they were brilliant. But yeah. pretty much every band that played in. Uh, pretty much every band who played for me in 
the Lomax stayed in my house as well. Yeah. Aside from aside from the um, Metal to the Masses shows, apart from um, the first, the second year I did Metal to the Masses, um, I contacted Blood Red Throne and asked would they come and headline the final, and they did. Yeah. And then they came. We went out on the piss, and then they came back to mine afterwards. Yeah. Just... <laughs> so, do you miss it, Sam? All the time. A lot, an awful lot. You get too much gigs now, you're not kind of privy to that? Do you get too many gigs now? I don't get to too many because it adversely some... affects my health. So Yeah, yeah. Um, what, I, do you, what do you think of the what do you think of some of the problems now with, with the live music scene and promotion and, and venues? What do you think of some of the problems now? Well, we've not got too many venues left, have we? Mm. There's, there's not as many yet, certainly not as many as when you were doing it, no, no, definitely not. I think as well, it's like, you know, there's there's not as many people like yourself out there um, doing this, and what as I lovingly call being a defender of the faith, and being someone who is, you know, is, all, is kind of doing this because they love what they do, and there's not a lot of people out there anymore, people are more seeing it as a business, when realistically it's not a very good business because you don't earn an awful lot of money from it. You have to do it because you love it. Yeah. Um, I was working been... full time throughout both yeah. people here to do yeah, with. Job. We, we've nearly gone two hours, so. Sorry. No, that's okay. That's exactly what I wanted. You know, um, okay. so as I kind of like, we'll, we'll, we'll get some, ladies and gentlemen, we will get Sal on again. Sal's got, a, he's got a, a many, many stories and we will definitely get Sal on, on again. But as I'm winding this up, I wanted to say to, to you something that maybe um, a lot of the people that went to your shows, a lot of the bands that you had on um, never got the chance to say, um, and I'm going to say that now. Um, thank you for your service. Thank you for what you did on the front line of being a promoter. Um, it's, it was incredibly valuable. You Like you say, you started off a lot of bands' first shows and they uh, went on and did great things now. You know, um, if... The Game of Thrones has a mother of dragons. <laughs> I think the Liverpool metal scene has uh, a mother as well. Um, and it's most certainly Sal is that person. Um, you know, I think what you did for the scene cannot be underestimated. And if you are a young promoter now, going to start and do your own thing, I think Sal's example is something that you should listen to. Uh, and when you go back and listen to this podcast, take, take good notes about how to look after bands and how to act a- around bands. Um, this has been one of the most enjoyable podcasts for me I've done. I, no. I, I, I knew it would be. Because <laughs> I, I, I like Sal a lot. Um, I knew this would be a good one. And hopefully you've enjoyed it yourself, mate. I like reminiscing. I like talking about it I, all. I don't get yeah. a chance to very often, but there's loads I've missed out. Um, there's absolutely tons. That Shall we get missed. Sal on again, ladies and gentlemen? Yes, we could. Which, of course we should. <laughs> but for the time being, like... Um, well, Sal from Whiplash, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. The wonderful Sal Turner there from Whiplash Promotion. Shall we get her on again, on, on the show again? Yeah, of course, of course we should. So many so many funny stories. And we talked off-air, off if you will, for a whole bunch of time as well. Like, Sal is just super, super, super... Uh, in love with metal just in it, it, just a huge fan of music and talks 
really like kind of passionately about the bands that she likes. And I think that really came across there, didn't it? Like fabulous, fabulous guests. We're probably probably going to go on two times that, 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 that amount of time. And so most definitely, yes, we will have Sal back. Most definitely we will. And once again, just to remind you of the hashtag save our venues at the music venues, trust uh, the whole initiative there to raise money and awareness of venues that are closing very close to you. Uh, get into this on the live stream on Wednesday the 29th at 8pm. I will be on there. We're talking a load of nonsense about metal again. And Thursday will be the new episode with Daniel Moran talking about musicians and how to survive the lockdown. Thanks very much for listening and I promise when this is all through I will see you at the show.